When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For those who have been listening throughout the series, this is the incredibly powerful episode where the series got its name. Please note there are some very emotional and distressing scenes within this podcast that may not be suitable for everyone. It was like every second I was not in control and that in itself was just, was horrible. How did we get here? We were just home yesterday. Hello and welcome to How Did We Get Here, the podcast where me, Claudia Winkleman, and Professor Tanya Byron, clinical psychologist and also a great friend of mine, chat to people who are facing struggles with their families. Tanya talks to people in face-to-face sessions while I'm in another room, listening to the conversation. In the break, I ask questions and explore Tan's process too. This time we meet Natasha, who has a severely disabled daughter, Alia, age two, who has an undiagnosed condition. Natasha is 30 and has a partner and is a filmmaker. At six weeks, Alia started to develop problems and at six months was taken to Great Ormond Street Hospital. Natasha wanted to spread awareness about her daughter. However, Tanya realises that Natasha is still in shock over the discovery of her daughter's illness and so looks at ways of addressing her PTSD. Why am I concerned for you enough to raise it? Maybe just because eventually it's going to come to the surface. But it does come to the surface. You have flashbacks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And my sense is when those flashbacks hit you, they literally take your breath away. What you are about to hear are the key parts of a one-time, unscripted session with a real person. We follow up with our guests after the recording, passing on useful links and contacts, which you will also be able to find in the programme notes of this episode. Let's go meet Natasha. Well, number one, thank you so much for coming in and sharing your story with us. You're going to chat to me a bit. Mm -hmm. I know very little about you, so I'm sorry that I'll be annoying and ask you questions. It's fine. And then you'll be with Professor Tony Byron. What are you hoping to get out of today? Do you know what? I think it's about raising awareness of my unique situation. Because she's sick. I don't know how much you guys know. Tell me everything. So my daughter, she she's now suddenly had a, like a a decline in her health. So she was, let's say, normal. And then a certain amount of months, she got really sick and they don't know what's wrong with her. So she's now disabled. I'm so sorry. Yeah, it's hard. It's like how you go from having a child that's normal and everyone's like excited for you. And then you go through this transition period where she's sick. She's completely not the same person. She can't eat. She can't talk. She doesn't cry. She's completely different. So when you leave today, how do you want to feel? If that's not too weird a question. I was at a stage where I didn't want to talk about it, but now I feel like I am and I want to share it and get it out. Who looks after you? I don't really talk to anyone. I mean, her dad, my boyfriend is somebody who doesn't talk. I'll cry. If I feel to cry, I'll cry. And then we move on. And is he supportive to you? 
Yes. Yeah, he really is. We've been challenged a lot in the 18 months. How long were you together before? So before that, we was together eight months. Wow. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you so much for coming in. No, it's fine. Absolutely fine. And I'm going to send Tanya in. Okay. Hello. Hello, sweetheart. How are you? I'm okay. I'm Tanya. Um, so you've met Claude. Claudia and I are really fascinated by people's stories and you've got a story. story. Yeah, Yeah. you've got a story. So I suppose your story is something about life moving in a in a way that felt exciting and happy. And then suddenly out of nowhere, an event happens that completely changes everything. Yeah. How was the pregnancy? My pregnancy was fine. I I would say that's the healthiest I've been. And what then came next? It got to about, I think, six weeks. And they asked you if she smiled. And I was like, no, she hasn't, you know. And then I think she smiled at like eight weeks. So I'm like, oh, okay, nothing to worry about. Going with the premise that every child is different. We just carried on, carried on. And then it got to three months. That Saturday, which was actually my birthday... She spent the whole day sleeping and then the next morning she woke up and her neck was fixed to the left. But So she couldn't move her head? She she could we could move it back, but she would wanna move it back to the left. And oh, it was okay. really strange. So my aunt was like, call the health visit. It was a weekend, so they weren't by their phones or anything. And um I was like, No, maybe she slept funny. You're always trying to you know, catastrophize it. Don't want to panic. Don't want to be yeah. a neurotic mum, sort of thing. Yeah, and plus, she had a rash. Sorry, a couple of weeks before, and I went to the doctors, and they kind of made me feel as though I was overreacting. So this time, I didn't want to go there. It didn't make me go to the hospital with urgency at that point. Okay, and now, do you regret that? Yes. If I just was quicker, would would something have changed? I'm not sure. That's a really sad. What you've just said. Yeah. So already you're telling me that there's a part of you that wonders whether you let your daughter down. I, I feel like that every day. I, I go over the, the events in my head all the time. You're, I torture myself. But how do you think you let her down? And what is this daily mental torture you're putting yourself through? Every day is a battle of clinics and hospitals. And it's unbelievable how many people we see to try and make her life one of quality let's say so you have a child who's profoundly disabled yeah but no one's given you an answer no how do you manage in you're trying to just find answers just so you have closure and it's mentally exhausting how exhausted are you months ago i wasn't in a great place mentally i would isolate myself in my house which was just not great. This self-isolation, I mean, it sounds like you were struggling with feelings of depression, which is not surprising. I mean, the shock, the trauma of of just expecting a child in a certain way and then suddenly recognising what your daughter's struggles were and were likely to be for her life and for your life. Do you think you were depressed? I think I was. Was there a sense that you didn't want to be around people it was the questions I wasn't prepared that's what I'm wondering for the questions that people were going to ask they'll be like so what's wrong with her and I'll be like they don't know and then they would get really passionate about what do you mean they don't know it feels very insensitive the way people were treating you family members like literally 
distance themselves. And that was hurtful. Wouldn't that be a time to kind of embrace the person more? They kind of made me feel more isolated than anything, like because they couldn't deal with it. They just, yeah, they left. But it's not like it's our fault, but it's just this guilt, this kind of like, this isn't the story that I wanted for us. What are you guilty of? I've started an an Instagram page in her name and I posted from zero all the way up until today. And there are things now I notice. And I'm like, why didn't I notice that at the time? She was really stiff and like, that isn't a normal movement. You're a first time mum. Yeah. How were you supposed to know? I know. And that's the thing. That's what everybody says. And I I know it in myself that I would never have known. I want to go back to this daily torture because maybe Mm -hmm. that's something I can help you with. Because you said I torture myself. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. I'm just like, I don't know if I can do this. Like, this is so hard. Every day is a, a struggle. And I'm like, am I strong enough for this? And then there's days where I'm like, yeah, of course you are. What are the darkest places your mind will go when you start to wonder whether you can do this? It's thinking of the future that is incredibly scary and I've decided that that isn't good for my mindset, that I'll just take one day at a time. I mean, psychologically, you're robust, aren't you? You're strong. Now, I wouldn't say that when this first happened. And you feel anxious a lot of the time. Yeah, I feel anxious all the time because you have to think, five steps ahead but you're you're putting a brave face on but Mm -hmm. I can see as we talk you stop yourself getting sad yeah I I feel like I have to do that why why do you have to do that if you don't you kind of have to get this strength from somewhere because with if you are not mentally in the right place you are not going to be able to look after this child to a level that she needs because I'm watching you as we're talking and I can I can see you getting a bit tearful and then it goes, mm-hmm. you're not allowing yourself to engage with how you feel. I wonder whether that's going to be sustainable. If I think about it too much, I could cry all day, but that isn't going to um, really benefit my daughter at this point. I agree. A lot of parents I work with in a similar position to you have very strong feelings of grief. Because actually you have your child, but it's not what you were expecting. So there's a bereavement process for the child that you expected and the mother you thought you would be able to be. A lot of parents won't let themselves articulate that because they feel guilty. If I say that, then it means I don't love my child for who she is. Mm. But that has to be acknowledged. Yeah, that was a great way of putting it, actually. It's just so tough to deal with. Because it just seems too huge. What frightens you the most? When we got to Great Ormond Street, and then when they couldn't find out what it was, it was like, this situation's pretty dire at this point. Like, okay, so what now? And do you ever get flashbacks to that time? I do. And what Um, do you flashback to, sweetheart? I remember seeing her, her in her bed, seeing her with all the wires, and just thinking, how did we get here? On my worst days, I go back to the worst the worst state I saw her in hospital and it just kills me. Are you seeing it now? Yeah, it's just not great. You've not had any support to process that image, have you? N- not that image. I don't really talk about that no. image. You avoid it? Absolutely. My concern is that you might be struggling with some post-traumatic stress because what I just saw was... You shift very significantly from 
the way you can talk about what you're dealing with. You can talk about the emotion of it, but you can still keep it at a very sort of, sort of rational, cognitive level. Mm-hmm. You're still there, aren't you? Well, yeah, because now I just thought about the image. I think you need help to get past it. So there's a part of our brain that responds to threat that gets hyperactivated when we're traumatised. It's a, it's a part of our brain called the amygdala mm-hmm. and it sits in the emotional sort of limbic area of our brain, mm-hmm. the fight or flight response, right? So if mm-hmm. we're threatened, our body has to do, either has to run, flight, or we have to fight mm-hmm. or we freeze. When you're in a threatening situation where you honestly believe that there is going to be death or significant harm to you or someone you love, that can create a memory that almost gets stuck. So whenever that memory is triggered, you start to get all those emotions again as if you're back there. And I just watched you. Mm-hmm. You you went back there, didn't you? Yeah, it's honestly, it's, it's crazy. How often do you have to push that image out of your head? Um, Pretty regular. Can I just stop tape? You've uncovered this trauma, but not only that, she revealed to you where it started. So I just want to ask you, you mentioned the word trauma and then you got talking about amygdala. Can you explain that in like my, i.e. layman's terms? First of all, describing the brain. So you talk about the amygdala and you sort of talk about the fact that there is a part of the brain that, that can become in effect blocked when we have a trauma. If the memory doesn't get processed cognitively through another part of the brain, through the frontal cortex, the part of the brain that thinks and understands and emotionally regulates, if it stays in the amygdala, it stays just as trauma. So the amygdala Uh gets triggered, you have a flashback, you push it away, it stays blocked. Is that PTSD? That's PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. And you mentioned it and I could really hear it, that her breathing changed. When we're looking at PTSD when we're looking at trauma, if I can help her understand that by looking at that and I can teach her a few very simple techniques, she will start to feel able to master the feelings that this triggers in her so that it ceases to become trauma. Otherwise, it'll get bigger and bigger. That's one I was fascinated by the guilt that she feels like somehow she missed something, which of course she didn't. Mm -hmm. I want her to somehow go... This is what happened. I love her. She's Leah. She's my baby. And not feel bad about it. Well, you know what that's like. It's a, yeah. it's a tough journey, right? And yeah. um, she does. She needs help with the trauma. But I think if she doesn't feel there's a space that she can do that, this is just going to become really, really, t- really, really overwhelming for her. All right. Let's see where the conversation goes now. Back to the interview. I just watched you get triggered. Mm -hmm. The more you avoid thinking about it, the harder it's going to hit you. And at some stage, my concern is it's going to hit you so hard Mm -hmm. that all your strength and your resilience and your determination will then start to be undermined. Right. Makes sense. And that makes you normal. For the Mm -hmm. most part, your coping strategies are incredible. I have significant admiration for you. But... 
what you described to me earlier, mm-hmm. I saw you change physically. Mm-hmm. I saw you look away. Your voice changed. Your breathing changed. Mm-hmm. You looked sad. Yeah. And then I saw you pull yourself out of it. Mm-hmm. That to me isn't just understandable distress at a really difficult memory. Mm-hmm. That to me is trauma. Okay. And that's what I want to help you think about. Okay. What that means is mm-hmm. you have to face the memory. You know, I just said that I started an Instagram in her name to bring awareness. And when it got to the part where she went to the hospital, it was kind of like I regretted starting the page. Have you got the pictures on you now? I do. I do. I would love to show you. Please show me. Yeah. Have you got your phone there? Yeah. Okay, I let's do. have a look. I just want to help you understand what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Can you hear how your breathing is changing? Yeah, because um, I'm trying to stop myself from getting upset. Why? What's wrong with getting upset? There's nothing wrong with it, but it's just not pleasant. I absolutely agree. You know? So you're showing me a picture now on your phone. Let's have a look. Yeah. So on. Okay. And then that is oh. the picture that just... You can't look at it? I hate it. I can't. So I'm now looking at a picture of a tiny beautiful little baby girl in a huge hospital bed there's machines everywhere wires and they're about to put her in the ambulance and, and i couldn't get in the ambulance you couldn't do it i couldn't because you were not allowed or no i was allowed um i had been the first time he was in the ambulance was when they noticed something was wrong so i had to go with her this time it's very high levels of stress it's like it's too like it no, was i understand that it was too much so her dad went with her and you, you can't look at this picture? No. No, I don't want to look at that picture. I, I see that, darling. Mm-hmm. T- tell me why. Tell me what it is that... Because you know what I'm seeing. Um, they struggled I, to put her to sleep as well, I she, think. She was in an induced coma, was she? Yeah. Yeah, OK. For two days. Yeah. She actually looks very peaceful, doesn't she? To me... That situation normally happens just before you you pass. So this looks like a picture of your child who might almost be dead. Basically. This is why you can't look at it. It's awful. I I understand, my love. I do understand. I guess I'm seeing a child who is being well looked after by caring professionals. She's not in pain. It's not nice to look at. As soon as they woke her up, she was unable to do the things that she could do before she was induced into that coma and the guilt is why did I let them do that because they needed to do that to transport her from one hospital to another did I fight hard enough probably not maybe I should have said no no oh I see oh my gosh so you're taking so much responsibility now you're now saying something else to me you're saying I let her down because you're thinking is perhaps the induced coma caused a significant deterioration I believe so and I wasn't a good enough mother I should have screamed and shouted and held her myself on the way to the hospital but I shouldn't have let her do do so much changed after this picture so this picture represents the moment when she became a very different child yeah if I think about my colleagues that I work with, I suspect that, you know, she would have had to be put into induced coma because to get the tube down their throat is yeah. is not possible if they're, mm. you know, if they're conscious because they're so 
terrified and mm-hmm. the fear that the terror will traumatise the child. I, I can understand why it was done. Mm-hmm. Well, I tell you what, let, let's, let's have a break now because okay. there's a lot we've talked about. Mm-hmm. For the second part of our conversation, I could actually do a bit of trauma work with you. And together we can look at the photo and I can help you learn how to master the feelings that come up from looking at it. Because when you have those flashbacks, I want to just help you leave our session today with a set of skills that you can use. Okay. Not push it away, sit with it, but manage it, manage those feelings so that they stop being trauma and they just start being feelings. Okay. That's up to you if you don't want to do that that's fine but should we take a break now you have a think and then we can then we can come back okay what was interesting in listening to that she came in she was completely very strong. Together, I'm doing this for my daughter. Thank you very much. I mean, if you remember, when she came in here a while back and I said, why are you here? She said, just to raise awareness. That's all I'm doing. I'm fine. And then, of course, you got into trauma. Absolutely. I mean, first of all, isn't, I mean, Natasha's an incredible young woman. I mean, life has thrown her a curveball in a way that wasn't expected. And she's getting on with it. And she's absolutely strong. And she's there for her daughter. And she doesn't know what's What's wrong with her daughter? She doesn't know her daughter's prognosis. I mean, we're both mothers, Claude, right? You couldn't imagine I can't a worst a worst scenario, right? I suppose what I have seen in Natasha and I see in many parents that I work with who have really significant trauma with their child, what you're left with is these horrible memories that you just have to push away. I mean, we can say out loud that you helped me with flashbacks. I have flashbacks of my daughter had an accident when she was eight and they come at you and the only way I can describe it is like a bull, like a tsunami. It's so enormous mm. that you you think you're going to drown. So instead you just have to shove it to one side. You said to her, you have been through trauma and you need to deal with that. I mean, yeah, I need to help Natasha understand there. She's coping brilliantly. Brilliantly. But there is there's another aspect of coping that she needs to allow herself to do and that's to address the trauma and to find a space where she can sometimes be truly vulnerable and not be afraid that that's going to lead her to break because it won't. Taking her needs seriously, it almost feels like she thinks she's being disloyal to her daughter, which is adorable, but you're not doing her a disservice by going, "Yeah, this is annoying. Exactly. I'd quite like to go to the pub. And also you'll only be as good a parent to your children if you make sure you look after yourself. Yeah. It just makes me feel like it's not fair. Yeah. And I don't know whether she feels that. But it isn't fair. It's not fair. No. Let's return to the session. Are you all right? I'd like to talk about the trauma side. You would? Yeah. Okay. Well, let's do that then, because it could be the first step, and then we will work out how you continue it. But why am I concerned for you enough to raise it? 
Maybe just because eventually it's going to come to the surface. But it does come to the surface. You have flashbacks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And my sense is when those flashbacks hit you, they literally take your breath away. Yeah. Did you know that physiologically the way you respond to anxiety is your breathing suddenly dysregulates, your breathing changes? No, I didn't. Can you not hear it a little bit now? Now I just feel, like, anxious. And what are you anxious about, my love? Because here we are in this nice room. (laughs) You're comfortable. Yeah. You trust me. Yeah. So where does the anxiety come from? Maybe just having to revisit the memories that I don't really want to. Because? They might break me. Okay. You will not break. Mm Mm-hmm. No one breaks on my watch, darling. (laughs) You you won't break. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girly? (laughs) Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. (laughs) If these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. What I want to do today then is just explain to you trauma and explain to you how the work works. Mm -hmm. We can do a little bit if you want, but I don't want to put you in a position that you feel you can't walk out of here feeling empowered. Trauma is a response to significant anxiety. You have explained to me that that photograph encapsulates the worst moment of your life. What were you anxious about in that moment? It was like every second I was not in control and that in itself was just, was horrible. How did we get here? We were just home yesterday. Like, and now we're being transported to another hospital. And knowing that this hospital was like, you know, we, we can't do anymore, that was just unbelievable. Because suddenly you realise this is really, really serious. Yeah. And that is the picture that comes into your head when you flash back. Yeah. So that tells us that all those feelings, real feelings that 
any loving, committed parent would feel in that moment have never been properly addressed. You've just locked them down because you've rolled up your sleeves like you do every day for this lovely little girl of yours and you've got on with it. When we were looking at the picture earlier, well, actually, I was looking at the picture, you couldn't look. You were at, you were physically turning your head away. Yeah. And that's because your fear is if you look at it, a big wave, like a tsunami of all those feelings is going to come back. Yeah. And that's trauma. Okay. So what if I was to say to you, there is a different way of doing it, and you could look at that image, and by looking at that image, I could teach you to manage the levels of fear so that the more time you looked at the image and I taught you how to bring your anxiety levels down, eventually you cut the link between the image and utter panic and fear and you create a different relationship with that image, which is about feeling sad, but also being able to cope with it. Well, that would be amazing. It doesn't feel realistic. Tell me why. It's, it's, it's been a year and I don't see my thoughts or feelings changing about that picture. I've worked with so many people who have had traumatic experiences in their lives, people who've had horrific accidents, lost loved ones, mm -hmm. soldiers returning from war where they've mm -hmm. seen or experienced horrific things mm -hmm. and so on and so on. And absolutely, just like you, they'll go, great, Tom, thanks very much. Not sure it's going to work, but yeah. OK, we'll give it a go. Yeah, I'm, I'm open to giving it a go. OK. If we look at the picture together, and it's entirely up to you, mm -hmm. what do you think is the worst thing that could happen? Just that I break down. OK. But if we were to look at the picture together yep. and you were to become emotional with me and yep. I was able to guide you through those emotions so that you actually felt more able to manage them, yep. does that feel like a good outcome or not? It does feel like a good outcome. It does. Well, go on. So. Do you want to, should we look at it together? Okay. So what I want you to notice while you're getting it is notice how your breathing is changing. Yeah. So it's super important when we start to feel anxious that we really regulate our breathing. Okay. Okay, so let me just move a bit closer to you and you move a bit closer to Okay. Me. Should we put her, should we put her there? Okay. That's the one, isn't it? And yeah. Should we make her face a little bit bigger? <laughs> okay. It, it's up to you, my darling. Yeah, I mean, it's just the tube. It's the tube. It's the tube. So describe what you can see in that picture. And while you're doing it, I want you to notice your breathing. Already I can see your body language has changed. Mm -hmm. So your shoulders have risen. Mm -hmm. Your clasping your hands together and you're squeezing them between your knees. So what I want you to do is I just want you to put your hands on your knees, I just want you to relax your shoulders and I just okay. want you to breathe. Okay. I want you just to combat the physical, the physiological symptoms of anxiety because we have to be able to look at that with you not in an anxious state. <laughs> yeah? Okay. So I just want you to breathe, breathe in, breathe out. Tell me about her. Tell me what's wonderful about her and tell me... I can't even speak. I'm holding your hand. You're OK. Tell me what's so amazing about this beautiful little child. I can't, I can't do this. What are you afraid of, my darling? It's just horrible to see. It's just so unfair. 
Talk to me about that. She's just so tiny. Just, just... She shouldn't have to go through something like that. She survived it, didn't she? She did, and... It's, it's just horrible. It is horrible. It's just that picture is like the, the door between what she was and what she is now, you know. She like became the heart of my family and then she brought us all together. <sighs> you said something really important. You said two very important things. You said to me, this is the door between how she was and then what she became. Yeah. And you also said... She brought us all together, and I'm thinking that that changed too. Yeah. If I was, if it happened to someone else, I wouldn't distance myself from them. I would never do that. So I was surprised that people did that to me. But no. you've not recovered the relationships with the other people, no. have you? No. I, I'm, I'm reluctant to, if I'm honest, because I don't feel like they deserve me. Because you're angry with them for, yeah, them for them not knowing how to support you at the time and yeah. for you feel abandoned by them. Yeah, and it's, it's just, I'm offended by it. It's understandable anger. Yeah. I, I do respect why you feel angry, but it's, a, it's also an exhausting emotion to carry, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Can you forgive the people that have let you down? I'm not sure if I could forgive then that's me being honest. Yeah, I don't think I could. I respect that. I suppose what I'm saying is I'm not saying that you forgive them necessarily to their face, mm -hmm. but it's more that somewhere in yourself you can forgive them enough that you just don't have to live with that anymore because yeah. it's a, it's another burden of, of pain for you, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it the, is, it's the rejection, it's the abandonment. Yeah. It's true what you're saying, but I don't think I could. Okay. I don't think so. As we've been talking, what I notice is that actually you can look at this picture of your beautiful little girl. You're not that anxious, actually. I think you're anxious to look at it, but now that you've looked at it, you're allowing yourself to unlock a bit more of the pain. Mm. You're not panicking. You're actually quite calm now. Yeah. You're just sad. You're really sad. Yeah. I wonder if you feel a bit guilty feeling sad looking at a picture of her. I wonder if you won't allow yourself to do it because it feels wrong. Look, I just feel, like, it's so uncomfortable looking at it. This is normal. But having oh, suggested that it might help you to, for, to forgive the people who you feel let you down, actually, I realise that I made a mistake in asking you to do that because there is actually someone else you need to forgive first. <sighs> Not myself. Is that what you're going to say? Oh, God. What do you think? Now that you look back at that time in the hospital, I think you're expecting yourself to be able to react in a way that I don't think any human being in that moment would be able to react. The person you love more than anything else in the world, including yourself, mm -hmm. you thought was about to die. Yeah. It overwhelmed you to such a degree... You had to leave for a while. How does that make you a bad person? It's like I'm abandoning her. She needed me. She was she was in a coma by then, wasn't she? Yeah. If she'd been awake and calling for you or gestic, you'd have been there. You yeah. wouldn't. You wouldn't have walked out then, would you? 
but I couldn't watch the process. Why did you need to watch the process, I don't know, because I just, you know, meant to leave your, your children, you know. If there is a moment where staying with your child is going to distress them more because of your own distress, it feels to me like quite a sensible thing to do if you know that she was safe with other people who were caring for her. Yeah. At least her dad was there, so it's not that bad, but I just wish that I was a bit stronger in that moment. This is about you being a bad mother, isn't it? I don't think I'm a bad mum. I just have guilt about my actions on that day. And how's that going to help her now? I don't want to make the same mistake again. I don't think you made a mistake. You're taking responsibility for something that you're not responsible for. This is crazy. I just couldn't do it. No, you couldn't. And that doesn't make you a bad mum. It makes you you. It makes you a woman terrified that she was facing the end of her child's life. And in that moment, you did the best you could. Yeah. And that makes you normal. And if you continue to go back and tell yourself you should have done it differently, you'll never get past this point, my darling. Okay. So what do you think about the fact that I think you need to forgive yourself? It's a valid point. I I just feel like that guilt is just never going to go away because you you can never go back and just... It's just hard. Your perception of what actually happened is probably a bit skewed. You're yeah, right. Yeah. You're clenching your... I'm shaking. You're shaking. Take yeah. my hand. Just breathe. Let's just step away from those thoughts for a minute. Just tell me some of the things that you enjoy doing. What's the track that you listen to when you feel stressed and you just need a moment to chill out? I listen to all kinds of music, you know. I write a lot. Music or...? No, I'm an independent filmmaker. So I kind of write scripts, like writing it out, kind of is like a therapy in a way. 100%. So you've just absolutely nailed something for me. You need... Mm -hmm to rewrite the script you have about that day that we're looking at now in this picture. You've nailed yourself into a narrative that fundamentally ends with, and I let you down. Yeah. That is not correct. You did not let her down. But until you can rewrite the narrative and truly, truly shift into an appreciation of the trauma that you were going through in those hours you were in that hospital. You'll never be able to free yourself from these feelings and she doesn't need her mum to continue to blame herself. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) You're not shaking anymore. Okay. How can you re-script this? I just have to accept that that's, like, the choices I made and... You did the best you could. Yeah. You do the best you can every day. I do it every day, yeah. Yeah, you do. And your belief that somehow you caused this problem in your daughter is not true. Good. How do you feel now? I feel okay. I feel all right. That was a big breath. What was that breath for? It's kind of like just emotions that I feel, you know? Yeah. Did it break you? No, it didn't. 
didn't write you at all. Mm, And it's interesting. I don't know if you noticed, who is the person that kept tapping your phone screen to keep the photo up? (laughs) It was me. Yeah. She had to be here, didn't she? (sighs) Yeah. I think it would be really helpful for you to to see someone to have a few more sessions like this. Yeah. Okay. So your GP could refer you for trauma therapy, but I can also give you other organisations that you can see. Okay. I'm just trying to be the best version of myself, you know. Yeah, but don't try so hard that you forget that being the best version of ourselves means that when we feel vulnerable, it is a strength to be able to express that. Otherwise, in time, we'll break. Okay. Thank you. Darling, it's my pleasure. I want to say to you that you wanted to come here to talk about Aaliyah. Yeah. I think what you've given people has been more than maybe you expected. You are a woman of courage and a woman who will, I think, give this wonderful little girl the best life she can possibly have. Thank you. So long as you learn to look after yourself better. Yeah, I will. I will. Okay, now I go back into the room just to see how Natasha is feeling. Number one, well done. Thank you. Um, How long ago does it feel to you that we first met? Does it feel like a while back? Yeah, it does, yeah. I feel like you've... Process something. Yeah, it's a lot. There's so much going on right now in my brain. I want to say to you, when you first came in, mm-hmm. jaunty. And it was, I said, why are you here? I don't even know whether you remember your answer. Your answer was to help other people. Yeah. It wasn't about you. Yeah, it wasn't awareness. About, it wasn't about Aaliyah. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. just about building awareness. Mm-hmm. And how happy are you that you've tackled some things head on. I mean, listening to you in town was just... I didn't think we were even going to go down this route, if I'm honest. I'm happy because it made me realise that I do have to look after myself. You know, I spend so much time saying, you know, putting up this wall and being like, okay, let's go, like, this is my new reality, that I didn't think, oh, God, well, you haven't really dealt with those emotions before. I want to know, when you leave here and we'll look after you, who is your first phone call and what are you going to say? I'm just going to call my boyfriend and tell him what happened. And I wish he was here because I think he went through it as well, just as much as me. Of course. And it's a shame he he didn't hear this. He will hear it. Yeah. yeah. I've looked at all the pictures and liked every picture on your Instagram page. <laughs> okay, and he's obviously you. a brilliant dad. He's amazing. Does he worry about you? I worry about him. I'm sure he does worry about You worry about, about everyone, yeah. can I just say. Yeah, I, I'm worried. Like, this is my family unit, you know? Yeah. And it would break most couples. Of course. So Most um, couples who'd only been together for not yeah, very long. Yeah, not very long. You feel all right? Yeah, yeah. I, I want you to feel good. good. I feel like a weight has been lifted, so I'm, I'm good. That's fantastic. Yeah. I found that I found that extraordinary to listen to and and I just want to say that I think you're brilliant. <laughs> and the moment for me is when you said, Oh no, sorry, I've made a mistake. I was asking you to forgive those who have abandoned you, but you need to ask forgiveness for somebody else. And there was just a beat and she knew 
I knew from listening. Of course, you knew. And she said, I think it's myself. And then when I spoke to her and she said, a weight's been lifted. Did you... Are you happy with what happened? I am. I think it's always a, a concern that the the telling of the story also leads to something something new, something different, something that people can take away. Yeah. I guess shine the torch in a different corner of the room and then suddenly realise that maybe there could lie some answers to release us from the pain that we're in. And I, and I hope that that's what Natasha has taken away. I think for me, what broke my heart about Natasha was that she's trying so hard to be the incredible mother that she is, that she's not allowing herself to also acknowledge the unbelievable pain that she's been through. Yeah. And my concern always for anybody is that if you don't acknowledge the pain, but the pain keeps knocking at the door, for Natasha it's flashbacks, that pain one day will completely destabilise you. So I hope that for Natasha she can find ways to process the pain before it knocks her off her feet. She felt much lighter when she left, to me. I'll tell you what was extraordinary, I was listening to it, because, of course, I can't see you. You're in a closed room, I should explain. And there was an image on her phone of her daughter in hospital and she couldn't look at it. And you did some trauma work with her and she kept on bringing the picture up. She was the one who was keeping her daughter in the room. She did. And I think that's possibly because she, I hope, she realises that that night when she was so full up of terror yeah, and she had to leave the room. She did nothing wrong and she did not let her daughter down for one second. No. And I think if she can walk away recognising that, then I think you and I have spent a good afternoon together. <laughs> Thank you. And just to say, if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast to get free episodes as soon as we've published them. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please rate, comment and share. It helps people to know that we're here. If you didn't like it, please keep it to yourself. If you're interested in taking part in future episodes of How Did We Get Here, please email parenting at somethingelse.com. That's parenting at something without a G, else.com. Next time we meet Karen. Do you think that there's a chance that you and he could raise the girls together or are you very clear that this is how it is, that you'll be raising the girls on your own and he'll be living in another country? We could. We could. So never say never. But he'd have to talk to me first. This podcast was possible with the help of the following people at Something Else. The sound engineer is Benjamin Lincoln. The mix engineer is Josh Gibbs. The assistant producer is Hannah Talbot. The producer is Selena Ream. And the executive producer is Chris Skinner, with additional production from Steve Ackerman. Also from something else. Katie Piper's Extraordinary People. Join Katie for a series of powerful and inspirational conversations with people who have triumphed over adversity. With guests including Fern Cotton, 
And what about when you get really lazy journalism? So like people that draw just one line, they take it out of context. And that's really sad because... It is, it is. And I've also been on the receiving end of it so, mm. so many times. Sometimes to really tragic levels for me where I've really not felt able to cope with it. Yeah. Zoe Sugg and Nadia Hussein. I think the, the thing with women, firstly, is that women sometimes don't always like to see other women succeed. Mm-hmm. And I, I, th- I think that's right. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think there's a lot of that. And I think that's why just it, it's really hard sometimes because it, 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 in the last four years, I've changed so much. Mm. Listen now in Apple Podcasts, Spotify and all good podcast apps.